Thank you for joining us for another Hagley History Hangout. My name is Gregory Hargreaves. I am Program Officer in the Hagley Center for the History of Business, Technology, and Society at the Hagley Museum and Library in Wilmington, Delaware. And you know, during these Hagley History Hangouts, we like to bring you some of the best, most interesting, and most innovative research being done using the Hagley Library Historical Collections. And we like to support the research of folks from different disciplines, not only historians, but sociologists, economists, and yes, even artists. And joining me today is Susie Kopf, a visual artist and faculty, uh, adjunct faculty at the Maryland Institute College of Art, uh, who is doing a great project that the Hagley Center has supported called Unpeeling the Orange Empire, the Lasting Impact of Sunkist's Advertising in the 20th Century. Susie, thank you so much for joining me today. My pleasure, Greg. <laughs> Uh, why don't you sort of set up our, uh, your project for us? Um, what was it, what is it that you're working on? Yeah, so my art in general is about unpacking American symbols. Um, I'm especially interested in kind of coded meaning that exists in the landscape around us. Um, mm. And I think I noticed in my own work, because I use a lot of mid-century advertising uh, and design as inspiration, I noticed that I was starting to use citrus as a symbol. Um, for me, it kind of connoted luxury. It connoted ideas of leisure and vacation. And I started wondering, where did I get these ideas? <laughs> um, did I come about them naturally? And you know, where did they originate kind of in my life? Um, my background is I'm from California. I'm from Silicon Valley, which is not an orange growing region of California. Mm -hmm. However, oranges were always part of the lexicon. Uh, they were always part of the landscape, at least in advertising and marketing. And I, I was very aware of them as a kid. So I started thinking about, you know, is citrus even native to this country? And it's not like, <laughs> you know, so it, it became this long, um, kind of investigation. I read a few books on oranges specifically, and they were brought over to this country by Christopher Columbus on his second voyage, and they've been here ever since. So, you know, I was interested in figuring out when did they become part of the daily American diet? Um, orange juice itself is a huge industry, and, you know, they're so closely associated with the economies of California and Florida. I was really interested in that as well, because those are extremely populous states. So yeah, it became a bigger topic. <laughs> yeah, I, I think it's really interesting how you take an archival approach to your visual art. Uh, could you perhaps uh, unpack that a little bit for us? Um, what, is, what is your approach? Uh, what makes the archive attractive uh, from the perspective of an artist? Oh, from the perspective of an artist, I just think there's, there's so much to learn. Artists are naturally questioners. Uh, it's sometimes a lot, like, because I'm an educator too. And so when my students present a project, I'm just like, all right, here are the 20 questions I just have off the top of my head for, the, for you for this specific project. Um, and so in my own work, I'm constantly asking questions and, you know, having an archive to go to to look for answers is, it's just fun. Um, I don't always find the answers I'm looking for. 
I usually don't. I usually find other things or I realize that I wasn't asking the right questions because I didn't have enough information to start. Uh, yeah. So I, I use archive work really to inform everything I do because I'm interested in history. I'm interested in how we created the world we live in now. Uh, mm-hmm. And the Hagley archive was really great for looking back the last you know, 200 years. What was it that put Hagley on your radar uh, when it came to the Citrus Project? Um, I was looking at various institutions on the East Coast that had archives that would have materials on Sunkist. Mm-hmm. And Sunkist is an enormous corporation, obviously. There's a lot of information out there about them. Um, but I was attracted to the collection that Hagley has specifically, and I have images in this presentation. Um, that Sunkist was using, they created a, basically a pamphlet on how to organize your grocery store to sell Sunkist oranges. <laughs> and I was pretty excited to see that in person. Yeah, that's great. Uh, well, let's go ahead and perhaps look at some of these materials you's, you've uh, prepared for us. Yeah, um, so I arranged them kind of roughly in the collections that I was drawing from. Um, some of these are from books that were as old as like, the late 1870s. That's really when commercial citrus growing took off in this country. Uh, Prior to that, there were definitely orange trees. I mentioned Christopher Columbus. Uh, Italian immigrants were also growing lemons, Um, but it was not profitable for quite some time. Um, And it was Sunkist and the predecessors of Sunkist that made it a profitable business. like other agriculture, you have to grow a lot to get an amount that's sellable. Not every single orange you grow is going to be uh, commercially viable. So mm-hmm. it was interesting to see diagrams like the one on the right explaining the different varieties of citrus, um, you know, because I don't have a background in agriculture. I didn't realize the navel orange looks really weird. <laughs> like, it's, it looks like it's coming apart um, in its normal form versus, you know, the perfect orange we imagine we see used in marketing and advertising is not a navel, it's a Valencia. So just mm. thinking about that. Um, so these are some diagrams that were pretty, I think, typical of the books in the library. Oh, boy, let's see if it lets me go forward. Oh, there we go. Um, mm. So these are also diagrams. So I was interested in all aspects of the orange growing process and through selling it to the consumer. And then I even read reports um, that ad companies put together in the 50s and 60s, trying to figure out how to get people to drink more orange juice. You know, So all aspects of it are interesting to me as an artist. Um, and I got really sucked into the problem of getting Um, a product that's grown in two corners of the U.S. to the East Coast market. That was the focus. Mm -hmm. That's Mm -hmm. where the majority of the sales happened, I guess, for um, agricultural products. And so there was this conundrum before railroad cars existed. They couldn't get to market. So there was basically no point. And then when the railroad was connected to California and Florida, Mm -hmm then they had to get their semi-fragile product to the market. Um, And so I looked at a lot of diagrams of different ways to load oranges in rail cars. Hmm. Many layers down here. 
Um, but yeah, I was really enchanted by this for whatever reason. Um, you know, they had the crates on the right here for a while, but they realized they weren't most efficiently using the space. Hmm. And so then they started stacking them sideways like this with the oranges kind of on the outside like that acting as some sort of barrier, I guess, to protect the other ones. Um, hmm. So yeah, I just, I found it intriguing. I, I don't know what this is gonna be yet for art, but mm -hmm. I was just really interested in that. Um, this is the pamphlet I mentioned that's specifically made by Sunkist in the thirties for grocers of different size sizes. And what's interesting is in the 1930s, there were many different kinds of grocery stores. This was the beginning of the Piggly Wiggly, which was the serve yourself grocery store. So instead of, you know, you go to a store and you ask a person behind the counter to get you something, for the first time, the consumer is selecting for themselves. And so oh. I was really <laughs> captivated by these images of just how many oranges Sunkist was suggesting that you purchase as a grocery store in order to, you know, sell the product. Mm -hmm. um, abundance coming out of the Great Depression. Yeah, it was really, really fascinating. Um, I see in these images, window displays completely spilling over with oranges and this illustration here where the citrus is looming over the entire town. You're right. It's um, not very, not a very subtle message of abundance, is it? No, not at all. Um, and then I don't know how well you can see on your screen, but uh, there's this very small diagram in the bottom right-hand corner of the second image that explains that like you're putting crates that the oranges came in underneath and then you put the oranges on top and that's how you make it look so full. Mm. So I, how this might come into my work, I don't know yet, but I just, I love it. Um, these are a couple more pages from that pamphlet. So more display suggestions. Um, in every one of the diagrams, they had different plans depending on what kind of story you had uh, and how much space you had. But in every single one, they were like, we should be in the window. You know, we should be like kind of right by the checkout stand. We should be unmissable. <laughs> I mean, in this diagram, they're basically suggesting that they're, you know, 25% of what you're selling, which is like, yeah that's uh, remarkably high um oh, did you have another question about that slide <laughs> no go ahead thank you okay <laughs> um this is from that same pamphlet too um when i started this project i had some concept of you know oranges might come in different sizes but i didn't realize that they were grown to be certain sizes and that if they were not meeting the size they would have to be kind of discarded or used for juice or other like citrus products mm -hmm. um and then the mathematics of like how they would sell a bigger and bigger orange depend in a different size crate and you know as a buyer you'd have to commit to a certain number um and then if they couldn't sell the crops it was like a whole other thing with other people involved and second sellers and everything but what's fascinating about Sunkist and this relates to other work I've made before is that they were really trying to create uniformity 
where it had not existed before. Um, so I'm interested in, in franchises, both their architecture and also the idea of franchising. So for example, Howard Johnson's decided there was gonna be you know nine clams in an order of clams or something like that. And then every Howard Johnson's, that's what you got. Um, so I sort of see a, a parallel here mm. as well. Because Sunkist is trying to achieve the similar standardization so that a Sunkist orange is always the same size, shape, quality of recognizably branded. Yeah, exactly. I mean, it's not, it's not always possible to get total uniformity and that's so funny to me. Um, but I think that is an American value that comes up mm. again and again is this idea that like, we need to be the same. We need to be equal. Everything has to be matching somehow, even though it's very hard to achieve. <laughs> sort of the democratizing impulse at work. I think so. Yeah. That's interesting. Mm -hmm. um, this was another pamphlet coming out of the thirties that was specifically for I guess mothers to keep track of their children's health through eating citrus. That was an early angle that Sunkist took to market citrus was uh -huh. the health angle. And then later they realized that like that wasn't really working so well, I guess, um, you know, people cared about their health to a point and then they had to figure out how to make it like fun um, mm. after Mm -hmm. But what was cool about this one is it's also a coloring book. So I guess, you know, the idea was you would read it to your child and then give it to them to color. And then you'd take it back from them and record their height and weight as it, they got bigger. Um, but yeah, I, I was really taken by these illustrations where they tried to explain the process that was a bit complicated, I think, for a child. A child mm -hmm. would be the right age to be coloring this. Um yeah, so there's a little bit of a disconnect between the the marketing people who are like, this is a great idea, let's just do it all together. And the actual consumer who I guess is gonna be like a five or six year old. <laughs> right. And their family. And yeah, yeah again, not a, not a very subtle attempt to insinuate citrus into multiple aspects of the family life and relations. Mm-hmm. Yeah, let's see. Um, so that was sort of some samplings of the pamphlets in the Hagley mm. collection. And then this is from another collection specifically of produce marketing photos. Um, I wanna say it's the Magoo or the Magoon. I'm gonna, I'm gonna saying it wrong, I'm sure. But it's a great collection of photos. I very much enjoyed scanning some of them. Mm. Um, and they, the collection itself has all different kinds of produce, but I was trying to focus on images that either showed parts of the citrus process, or I got a little bit distracted from my utter focus on citrus by avocados. <laughs> um, and sure. I can talk a little bit about that in a minute. I have some photos of that as well, but here I'm looking at display on, in the image on the right and the way mm -hmm. that, you know, the product came to market. They were always trying to pile it up in a way that was attractive. And then, um, they would use the crate labels as part of the advertising for the product itself. And then as the years went on, Sunkiss started 
des designing things that were specifically for store display, which was interesting to see. Um, but these are pretty early photos, like 20s, the 10s mostly. I think mm -hmm. a couple are from the 30s, but most of them are pretty early. You can just tell by like what the men in these photos are wearing, the old style hats and all that. So mm -hmm. uh, the image on the left, they are measuring the oranges. So that images I showed you before where they were grading, this mm -hmm. is a, a sort of similar thing where these are buyers trying to decide like what sizes these oranges are. Hmm. Before we move on, I wanted um, the last slide with the child's health uh, child's growth chart, there we are. Um, it prompted a question. You had said that they were attempting to associate citrus strongly with health and that that only was so effective. It prompted a question that you sort of broached initially is uh, citrus as a symbol of luxury and abundance and uh, sunshine and vacation and leisure almost as a, uh, and is, where do we see the transition from the, marketing the health benefits of eating citrus to marketing citrus as something luxurious, something um, um, that's not necessarily about health, but about um, consumption for its own good. Right. Um, I don't know if it's possible to like pinpoint a day, but mm -hmm. I guess I would say for my own money, um, from what I observed, I think that transition happened in the 1950s with a, with a change in ethos. You know, people had a little bit more disposable income. Um, some of the ad reports I read that were from the 50s and 60s talked about, you know, the question from the ad company to the, the housewife consumer who was participating in, in the survey was, you know, would you buy a more expensive version of orange juice if you knew it to be better and the housewives would say yes price is not the concern for me i just want the best which mm. is different than the 1930s consumer who probably was very budget conscious um not not something that i was exploring in the archive per se but something that i read about before coming to hagley is that oranges used to be a luxury product in Europe. Um, there are people of my grandparents' generation who talk about how they would get oranges for Christmas. And that would be one of their mm -hmm. gifts because it was considered a delicacy. Uh, and it was beautiful and it was perfect and it was sweet. And, you know, maybe they didn't have a lot of sweets like candy like we do now. Um, so it's just interesting how our association with oranges and leisure and luxury, I think, comes from where they're grown in this country, because California mm -hmm. and Florida are two of the biggest tourist destinations. Mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. But it's also tied to a much older understanding of abundance and fruit and yeah, Christmas, I guess. Right. Good. Thank you. Mm -hmm. Um, so I feel like I talked about these. Okay, I'm going to move on yeah, to the next uh, one. These are just fascinating. Um, yeah, I love black and white photography. I mean, these remind me of WPA projects. Um, this is where the avocados came into it. I was so mm -hmm. taken with these images. So um, Cal Calvado, I might be saying that wrong, but they were the premier avocado growing company. Um, coming out of the 20s and 30s. 
And they had their own set of challenges separate from the challenges that the orange growers had getting their product to market. Mm-hmm. Um, they also wanted to sell avocados to the East Coast market, um, but getting them across the country was a problem. Getting people to understand what an avocado was, was it a fruit? Was it a vegetable? I feel like some people still have these questions, you know, a hundred years later. Um, and I was really fascinated by um, the ways that they struggled with the same things as the orange growers failed a lot more than the orange growers. I think mm. the orange was an easier sell to the American market versus the avocado was seen as a Latin fruit. And that was mm. a problem, um, you know, because it was not associated with the American diet. Uh, it was a problem that everybody knew it to be a high fat food and, you know, getting people to understand that there are good fats and bad fats was a challenge. Mm. Um, and then the issue of how delicate the crop was, getting it to market um, and getting people to buy it when it was quite expensive. So, mm. um, so I saw so, it as a parallel. Yeah. And that's fascinating. Um, so a similar arc, but over a much longer time span. What is happening in these picture, pictures? I see an airplane. Is that being loaded with avocados? Yes. So these were the first avocados that they brought to the East Coast. Um, I want to say in the 1910s, 1920s. I'd have to go back and check my notes. But mm. yeah, these were the very first ones. Um, this was a promotional photo. They wanted everybody to know they could have avocados now, you know, in New York City. And then on the right, that is a packing plant, which again, similar to oranges, um, that was a challenge that the growers had to sort of confront was now that we've grown something and we want to sell it, you know, far away, how do we prepare it in a way that it's going to ripen in transit and it'll arrive in time to be edible uh, and that was a huge challenge. So I love images of packing floors and just thinking about assembly lines. And again, these ideas of unification and franchising and trying to be the most efficient system. Uh. Yeah, and, and trying to adapt uh, something being grown out of the soil, which is naturally going to yield inconsistencies uh, and trying to... Um, engineer it as it were for a consumer market. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Um, We're back to oranges here. So on the left, they are crating some oranges that are going to be loaded onto a rail car. We can assume because you'll notice that they're um, in that uh, side orientation, like the other image I showed you before. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And then um, here we have another view of a packing plant where The pickers are, um, I believe, grading the oranges and boxing them by grade. Hmm. Mm -hmm. And then they would throw the rejects back onto the kind of conveyor belt. So the the further over line that we see kind of cutting diagonally through the photo is where the ones that were going to get juiced would go. Hmm. (laughs) Here's again the crates. Um, This image is quite dark, but... It's actually the image I think about the most from my time at Hagley. Um, So I had to include it. Um, 
but yeah, I'm just, I'm so, I'm so captivated by this solution to a problem that in the end only worked for a short amount of time. Um, yeah. This image is really evocative. Yeah. It, it's certainly, it's a portrait of this moment in this industry. What um, you say, you think about this image a lot. Um, what are you thinking about? What is, how does it speak to you? Um, I mean, I think you're a hundred percent correct. It's, it's a portrait of this moment in this industry. I think it's, it's a beautiful image. It's compelling. It's a little bit too dark. So we just end up looking at it a little bit longer, trying to, you know, make sure what mm. everything is. Um, I think about the person who took the photo and, you know, what their day had been like and, you know, were they taking lots of photos like this, running around trying to document all aspects of this process. Um, I think about the fact that like so much labor and water and resources mm. went into growing, collecting, packing, and now transporting this product and then in the end, not all of it was going to be consumed anyway. <laughs> yeah, so there's a lot, there's a lot here. It's really remarkable. Um, I have a few more kind of images from the archives, and then I have a large number of kind of city brochures. So I'll, I'll talk about those in a minute, but... <laughs> Um, yeah, I was interested in these presentations of oranges and citrus as sculpture. So on, on the left, mm -hmm. that is somebody's version of early Photoshop is my interpretation because clearly a picture was taken and then they, they cut it out in such a way. So we only see the product. Um, and this was appeared in a book that was also kind of telling you about being an orange grower. Like if you want to get into this business, like you need a certain amount of land and like, these are the places you would want to move to. And, you know, that kind of information. And that would be coupled with these kind of isolated images of oranges that, to me look like sculpture. I don't know if that's gonna be your interpretation, but they were just kind of striking. Certainly. Um, Why, what would be the logic of trying to present uh, the fruits as, as sculpture or as an art object? I don't really know the function of these images mm -hmm. in the books. For me, looking at them as an artist in 2021, I'm like, this feels so contemporary, <laughs> you know? Um, my students are always making paintings where they just want to isolate the subject smack dab in the middle of the page. And I'm running around telling them that's not got good composition. Um, <laughs> so it's, it's just interesting, you know, we focus on, on the subject, we focus on the contrast with the, you know, the, the subject and the, the background that's just totally white. Um, but yeah, I think it's just supposed to be like a palette cleanser in a very mm. dense book about, you know, this is how you start this new business and like, you can do it. And like, it's a sure way to be profitable. Like that's <laughs> always kind of intersected with the, the information is like, this is how you're going to make a living. <laughs> yeah. 
And I, I suppose perhaps it, it's almost like classical statuary. And if, if that's the, um, what's meant to be evoked, that really does align with the message of this is a, a, a surefire proper way to, to make a living. Uh, this is a, a reliable business proposition as it were. Mm-hmm. Mm. Yeah. And then getting into kind of the pamphlets for different cities, um, mm-hmm. my understanding is cities for in California and Florida would use oranges and citrus as part of their, their marketing of this is a great place to move and like live here. And also if you're a tourist, this is an awesome place to visit. So some of them are more marketed towards the tourists. Like you can visit orange groves here in, in California. You can visit them here in Florida. And some of them are marketed more like orange growers are part of our community. And like you will have access to oranges in your backyard. That was appeared again and again and again. Mm. Um, so this one is, is an excerpt from a, a book like that, like a little booklet showing lemons and oranges and talking about um, you know, the Southern California industry, they sort of reminded me of books that you would read in elementary school where they would explain like, this is what a fireman does. And like, you know. um, so these are some more of those pamphlets. Uh, I see. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So the one on the left is from the 19 teens, the twenties. Um, and that's, I think, trying to show you like, you can have a really nice life here and you're going to be very happy. Um, and then the one on the right is more of a tourism example of like, look at these pretty ladies with oranges. Maybe you'll meet one in our city. Uh, also, we have a swamp. <laughs> like, <laughs> So this is sort of where um, the type of images that I was thinking of initially when you said the sort of popular preconceptions of what a citrus means, um, what sort of uh, meaning we invest these fruits with. And uh, so this is really fascinating. That's it's um, it's a project more than a hundred years old. Yeah, yeah. I mean, oranges are often associated with women, fertility, abundance, you know, and that comes up again and again in these kinds of ads. Like you can see in just these two examples, even though we have this one, the woman on the left is being presented with a family and the woman on the right is just being presented kind of posing. Um, They're both cradling the oranges. Quite. Yeah. And then again, more examples of kind of, I don't know what these women are doing. Like the scale seems super strange to me. Again, an example of very early Photoshopping. (laughs) Well, there's certainly a trope of uh, enormous produce um, uh, from the turn of the 20th century. So there's definitely some echoes of that there. So we see um, Bradentown, Florida in the land of manatee. (laughs) And a lady sitting on a orange or perhaps lemon tree. It's a lemon one. Yeah, mm. it's, it's interesting. Um, lemons can grow in slightly colder conditions than oranges, is my understanding. Um, but most of the lemons are grown in California. So mm. I don't know if these were actually lemons. I think they were, but it's also possible they were colored wrong. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> 
uh, it would have been pretty unusual. <laughs> um, yeah, and then the image on the right is kind of an example always of the insertion of oranges within a, a larger schematic of showing the landscape, you know. I don't know if there would just be a random orange tree, you know, in the foreground or most of the oranges that were grown were being grown commercially uh, in very specific ways to best utilize irrigation. But in all of these pamphlets, and I have a few more, um, they'll just be shown in both the, the decoration and also just sort of randomly. Uh, <laughs> and then the image on this slide on the left has oranges at the top and then avocados uh, below. And so again, these two crops, I had not thought about them as being similar at all, but I think they grow in similar conditions. And for that reason, I was seeing them again and again being linked. Mm. Um, and then and advertisements here for Orange County and Imperial Valley, California. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I also spent some time wondering if the women in the images being portrayed in the orange groves were actually the pickers. Uh, and that seemed a little bit unlikely to me mm -hmm. <laughs> uh, in some instances. I think that there were women that worked in the packing houses but that was specifically an indoor job that was sort of an assembly line job that I showed mm -hmm. earlier images of. Mm -hmm. And I believe most of the people who were actually out in the groves picking were probably men, probably migrant or immigrant workers. Um, and so it's always this presentation of fantasy, even when they're trying to say like, this is how the industry works. Um, right. Yeah. Uh, I think this is my last slide, uh, or maybe I have one more after this, but yeah, more kind of portrayals of oranges in the design. So in the one on the right, we see kind of an, um, not art deco, what am I thinking of? Art, art and crafts style, mm -hmm. you know, mm -hmm. William Morris kind of doing of the orange um, around the Riverside County text. Mm -hmm. And then again, the insertion of the oranges in the foreground of a, a pamphlet for Riverside as well. So, you know, when they were doing limited print runs of things like limited color runs, orange is prioritized <laughs> as a color that they're going to use, even if they're not going to actually put oranges in. And then they often put oranges in also. <laughs> Um, and then I think this last one is probably my favorite of these pamphlets. I wanted to make sure to include it, wow. but this is for, yeah, Winter Haven. Um, this is both sides of a pamphlet. I, I edited it together to make the continuous image, but I just think that this is so lovely and like gets to a lot of my ideas about, you know, the oranges symbol of this place, of utopia, of beauty, um, Winter Haven is the city of a hundred lakes and it's the citrus capital of Florida. And they want to show you all of that, like right on the cover. Um, so my job now is to try to figure out how to link all these ideas together, uh, into art, <laughs> but that's really what I found in the, the Hagley archives that I'm excited to keep thinking about. And this is just fantastic. So, um, about this Winter Haven image. 
we see just an enormous amount of oranges spilling off of these trees. Um, definitely abundance and pleasure are implicated here. Uh, what else might this image be conveying uh, that in terms of um, what citrus means to an American audience? I don't know. When I look at this, I think you're you're just supposed to want to be there, you know. Mm -hmm. And so yeah. there, there's that attraction level. Um, mm -hmm. I don't know. I, I look at this, and even though it's it's for an ad, you know, it's like an advertising booklet trying to convince me to move or visit this place. And I just I think, yeah, that that'd be okay. Like, <laughs> <laughs> absolutely. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's it, it, it's about advertising and marketing, and in that sense, it is an American, very American story. Yeah, yeah. I mean, this was really the the height of illustration because mm. after the '30s and '40s, photography came into the mix, and you know, I think in this presentation, there's there's examples of how photography started getting mixed with the illustration. Um, and I guess maybe I'll look for more examples of when photography really took over. That's mm. another step for me, perhaps. Um, but yeah, I, I I love looking at these old old prints. And and it's great. Thank you so much for sharing the collection you've made. I have one last question. Um, how what sort of end product might you produce having done this research? So I'm currently working on some ceramic pieces that will be based on, I can go back in the presentation, but they'll be kind of loosely based on the image on the left. Ah. If I can get there, it's being a bit tricky. <laughs> um, basically without getting too much into the inside baseball of it all, um, to fire something in a kiln, it needs to be hollow or hollow-ish. Mm -hmm. And that's, that's a problem. So mm. making making things from cast molds as many steps. And I've actually made the molds, I've poured the molds. And then when it's waiting to dry before you fire it in the kiln to make it like a permanent ceramic thing, that's when it tends to break on me. So mm. I don't know if that's gonna come together. Um, another form I'm interested in is of course the crates and thinking oh, yes. about how to represent them. I don't know if that means I have to make my own crates or if I'm, I'm drawing or painting them in some way. Um, but that's another form I'm thinking about, you know, incorporating in some manner. And then of course, I'm very captivated by these displays. So <laughs> how can I make my own kind of ball pit of orange? <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, well, I hope once you do, you'll let us know uh, and so that we can appreciate your work further. Uh, Susie, thank you so much for taking the time to speak with me today. This is really fascinating. Yeah, my pleasure. Thank you. And for the audience, um, if you would like more Hagley History Hangouts or more information on the Center for the History of Business, Technology, and Society and the Hagley Museum and Library, join us online at www.hagley.org. That's H-A-G-L-E-Y dot O-R-G. And don't be a stranger.